It was so simple and so delicious and I just never had it before and it really has stuck in my mind as one of those things that just the taste of that asparagus, it, it was um, so special. Today on Dirty Linen's summer series, I am super excited and curious to chat to Shannon Martinez, owner of Smith & Daughters and Smith & Deli, which recently has been combined in a vegan empire in Collingwood. Shannon, welcome to Dirty Linen. Good morning. How you doing? I'm great. Um, I actually... I'm amazed to think I haven't had you on the podcast before. I know you've been on my uh, compatriots deep in the weeds podcast, but it's awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, finally. I think we just we were just caught up with too many things last year, so finally we've made it. I reckon that. Yeah, I reckon that's right. So I am really excited to hear about three memorable meals. Um, what are you gonna? What do you got for me? All right. So. This obviously this is a really hard thing to ask any chef. What are your <laughs> favorite meals? You know, it's like in, in interviews and it's always that dreaded question of what's your favorite thing to eat? And it's just like, come on, man. I like, know. We've got too many things. But you know, I had to think about stuff that really sticks in my mind and you know, the sort of meals at two in the morning when I'm lying in bed, I think about. And number one of all time um is Anything from St. John's, pretty much anything. And I, I probably am not the only person, especially when it comes to chefs, that regard this restaurant as the best in the world. It's just, it's so comforting, so perfect. It's the sort of food that I think most of us wish that we had the balls to do in our own places. Um, it's every, I went, it was so good when I was in London doing my book launch, uh, my second book launch, I went three days in a row cost mm. me about 2,000 pounds, you know, <laughs> but it's just the service, the food, everything. So there was there was this one dish, and I know that St. John's is so known for its nose-to-tail eating, but I think what's underrated about that restaurant is their vegetable dishes, and it was the vegetable dishes that when I got back to Australia, I tried to recreate for myself because it of all the things I ate, and believe me, like we knew some of the chefs in the kitchen there, so we literally got given everything on the menu. <laughs> the, the dishes that stood out to me were the veggie ones, and one in particular was this kohlrabi dish. And and the way St. John's treat their vegetables is um like to me, and you'll probably agree with me, it's um an underdressed salad is the saddest thing on the planet. It's yeah, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, you know. Especially coming into summer, you got these beautiful tomatoes and cucumbers and that, and then there's just nothing on it. And it's like, come on, like like to me, a soggy salad is the best. And my brother and I, when we were little, used to fight over the salad dressing in the bottom of the bowl and who would get to be able to drink it. Um, Maybe that's a Euro thing, I don't know. But you know, there was this kohlrabi dish, and it was so soggy in the best way possible, um, and and just shredded kohlrabi, cabbage. Um, and it was, and I think maybe parsley and mint, or maybe tarragon as well. And it, and I think about that dish weekly, like it wow, just phenomenal. Above all the other things, well, that and their ginger um, loaf pudding, which is just mind blowing. But that kohlrabi dish at St John's is one of my ultimate dishes, hands That's down. A, were you able to recreate it? Close, close. Okay. Um, but I think it's also, you know, you. you you could get a recipe from your grandmother, from someone overseas. It's never going to taste the same. It's just like I think, you know, when I think about food that I loved and I did go through in my mind things that my my Spanish grandmother used to make me. And even though I had the recipe, I'm pretty sure it's got something to do with their skin. 
you know, like there's something in their skin when they're touching the food. It's yeah. it's probably that you know, it's probably that she was on a pension, so she didn't have the money to buy good ingredients. So she probably just bought whatever she could get. Whereas I'm out there trying to buy the best chicken, the best uh, paprika, the best everything, and that probably had something to do with it as well. Yeah, like, she That's just so bought whatever she could get her hands on. Yeah, so then it really is about that touch. It's just like coaxing, I think so. coaxing the produce. That's so interesting. Yeah, I've I've, um, I've actually <laughs> come to a new appreciation of kohlrabi over the past couple of years because when we were in lockdown and I was dropping food to my mum and dad's doorstep, they they would or my dad would often ask for a kohlrabi. And so he's a you know Eastern European uh, kid and yep. grew up. It was definitely part of his, you know, family's table. Mm-hmm. And yeah, How do they he, eat it? well, he eats. He cuts it up and eats it like a pear. Yeah. Um, and or they'll just yeah, or mum will grate it and they'll turn it into a salad. Um, yeah. But you know, because I was buying them for them, I was just like, well, well, I want one too. So yeah, I buy them for me. <laughs> and then yeah, I got really into them. They're just such a, a good veg and underrated too. So underrated. People don't really use them that much here. So. Let's hope that maybe 2022 is the resurgence of the kohlrabi. Well, let's make it happen, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, what's number two? Okay, so I, I did really try to think about, you know, um, my favourite dishes and, and vegetarian or vegan dishes. But um, unfortunately, when I think about some meals that really stick in my head, number two might have to be one of my favourite ramens of all time, and that's from Gumshara in Sydney. And I'm just obsessed with it. And when I go to Sydney, I make sure that I go down. It, it's in a place in Sydney called, I think it's called Happy Eating Village or Happy Eating World. Where's and that? It's in Chinatown in this food court um, on the end of Chinatown. And you sort of go down into this, it's pretty a dingy looking joint. Um, but there's this one guy in the corner right up the back and apparently his story goes that he was an architect or something in Japan and he quit everything and studied ramen basically. And no one, no one does it like he does. Not that I've tried in this country, that's for sure. And the broth is so thick, you could almost like you could basically. Well, if you if you order it a certain way, you can add additions to it. You can literally stick your chopsticks up in it. Is that? <laughs> it's like wow. gravy almost. Yeah, and there's something. It is just. Usually when I go to Sydney, it's because there's either events or something on. So I'm de- generally worse for wear the next day. So that is the thing that saves my life. Uh, Gumshara ramen for sure. Ah. Oh. I love it. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, ramen is so personal. And I, I have heard a few stories about people, you know, Japanese people who've, who've been in another profession and ramen just draws them in. They just give everything up and, mm-hmm. you know, just like make broth for 10 years and then open That's a place it. and they reckon they've nailed it. That is yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, and I can appreciate that. Uh, broth, um, especially, I mean, you would understand with your family background, like there's – Broth is so special, and each country clearly, you know, can can hone in on their style. But I love making broth so much; it's probably my favorite thing to make. It's just so relaxing, you know, when you finally have a day off mm. and you just have something sitting on the stove all day, and you really calmly you just start cleaning the broth all day. You're just cleaning it, cleaning, it, making it perfect. There's just something about that monotonous you know, action that I just love. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of soups and broths, but that ramen to me, um, yeah, that, that, that does it. Awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What is your third one, Shannon? Okay. 
Third one is uh, maybe early 2000s when I went to Barcelona for the first time. I went into La Boqueria, the big market there on the Rumblast um, in, in Barcelona and walked in and I had never seen this before, uh, but it was like wild asparagus and it was bunched almost like a bundle of hay and it was bound in twine and the stuff was literally like as, as thin as wheat. And and it came in a bundle, maybe like if, if I tried to grab it with both hands, my fingers wouldn't be able to touch. And wow. Yeah, and through the centre of the market they have these little kitchens, like little restaurants, and basically you can take produce to them and they, they'll cook things for you. So I took this bunch of asparagus to them and they just fried it really, really quickly in some like insane olive oil, a bit of sherry vinegar and garlic. And that was it. And it was this, but, and it looked like, you know, once it was on the plate, it just looked like a big bowl of green pasta almost, like spaghetti. And it was so simple and so delicious. And I just never had it before. And it really has stuck in my mind as one of those things that, um, going to Spain where my family are from for the first time and just, taking it all in, taking the market in, <clears throat> just the taste of that asparagus, it, it was um, so special and I've never seen the stuff since. Um, I, I try and order thin asparagus here and it's still five times, six times thicker than the one I had there. Uh, and it was just simplicity, um, perfect place, perfect mood, perfect everything and just kind of brought me into my roots a little bit. It was It was just perfection. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That is absolutely a transfixing and transporting story, Shannon. Absolutely love it. And I I feel like I know that 2022, we're going to be all about kohlrabi, but I reckon, could we also (laughs) just be all about dishes that are just one vegetable? Oh, that's my dream. It's so good. Like I just love just, yeah, just finding something, some great bit of produce and Mm -hmm. just making it the meal. I agree. I, it's why I love, you know, in um, places like Japan and things where they have a restaurant that just specializes in one item and they just do it better than anyone else. And I really, really love that as opposed to going in and expecting to have 35, 40 options on a menu. I just, I, I really love that specialist sort of ideal. So I'm with you on that one. Let's just go plates of tomatoes, plates of asparagus plates of whatever you want that's 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 what I'm about yeah I really I think it's very it's like that's a culinary meditation I reckon it's very Mm -hmm. it's very mindful it's very seasonal by you know by definition yeah Uh, and it's it's just yeah it just allows you to really deeply appreciate something that's it 100 percent just lets the product shine on its own Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been great. Um, you've surprised me. You've delighted me. And <laughs> I expect nothing less from you. So uh, good. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much for sharing your three memorable meals. Thank you no so much. All right. Thanks, Annie. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is-